actually, this job has been really helpful in my life to learn not to take things personally because I know I've learned online I cannot take things personally. And it has been one of the greatest lessons of my life. Very little few things bother me now. I'm like, everything that happens, I'm like, I know this is a you thing, not a me thing. And I just kind of like let it go, let it slide off of me. And that lesson came from social. Welcome to Actualize, a podcast focused on the intersection of performance, ambition, and mental health. I'm your host, Rob Pantuala. My goal for the show is to not only celebrate success, but also shed light on the challenges and sacrifices that come with ambition. Actualize is brought to you by First Session. Launched in 2019, I started First Session to help you find the right therapist. First Session is purposely designed more like a dating website than a clinical website, as we're completely focused on helping you find the right fit the first time. My team and I interview and vet our partner therapists, so you can simply browse videos, see who you vibe with, and instantly book a session. Check us out at firstsession.com and see why more than 7,000 Canadians have chosen First Session to find a therapist. In today's episode, I interview Alessia Scazillo, also known by her influencer and fitness name, Alessia Sculpt. Alessia's got an inspirational story. She graduated McGill's business program at the very top of her class and then quickly started climbing the corporate finance ladder. After years of working heads down for two different leading finance firms, she started a side gig teaching fitness classes around Toronto. She loved it so much that she later built up the courage to quit her job and build a fitness and content creation business full-time. There was many bumps in the road along the way. In this episode, we go deep on many things. We cover the passing of Alessia's mother one year before she graduated university, her separation after a 12-year relationship, and strategies for maintaining her mental health while being an influencer, and now her calling to be a leader to inspire women by taking risks and following their dreams. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alessia. Hey, Alessia, thank you so much for joining me today on Actualize. I wanted to start with just jumping in and you can tell us a little bit about your career transition and and what that looked like. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to chat. I started my career in finance. So I went to McGill University. I studied business there and I really went like a traditional path. I worked at an accounting firm for three years, PwC. I got my CPA, CA, and then Leaving there, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do, but I knew I loved working with clients and working on a bunch of different deals and projects. So I actually went into corporate banking at RBC, and I was there for about five or six years, and it was a very intense place. I was on an amazing like career trajectory. I was doing well. I was getting promoted. The work was very interesting, but it was super stressful. It was deals based. So it'd be like a deal would drop and, you know, you'd drop everything that you were working on and you would focus on it. And it was like a tight timeline and all of that. And I was working for someone that was not very nice, quite toxic. And I kept thinking like, you know, this is the path I should be on. I studied for this. I worked for this. Like I'm doing well and this is what I should stick to. But there was something inside me that was nagging at me that was like, this is not it for me. I know that there's more. I could be happier. Was I okay? Yes. Was I, you know, I was doing well? Yes. What could I be happier in my life? Could I feel more fulfilled? Yes, for sure. And throughout my entire career, I had been working out. I was into fitness. I would work out first thing in the morning because I knew that if I saved it till later in the day, something would go awry with work and I would have to skip it. So I was working out just as like for my own mental health, it gave me the energy and the confidence and the strength that I needed to like get through my days. But there reached a point in my finance career when I was at RBC where I was like, I am so unhappy. I'd come home from work one too many times crying. And I was like, I feel like I need to try something different. And I didn't know what it was. But I was like, while I figure that out, why don't I teach some workouts part time on the side just for fun, like for something else to do? 
for something to put my like my mind toward my energy toward and so I got certified and I started doing that and I loved it so so much but I also was realizing how little I was getting paid in in fitness teaching fitness classes like at a studio in Toronto it was like yeah I was thinking about that recently there was like a tier is like if your class was not that full like say half full you'd get $35 for the class and if you maxed out the class, you'd get 50. And so you would have to teach a lot of wow. classes to do well. Yeah. Like to even survive. That. <laughs> Sorry? I've always wondered the yeah. economics of that. So that was in 2019. So maybe it's different now. Probably not because COVID really hurt a lot of studios. But it was, it was brutal. So I was working finance full time and teaching fitness on the side. And I started to think about like, I love this. How can I turn this into something bigger? And so I started, I saw like a couple people, big people in the space doing the online thing. Like this was early days pre-COVID. Like no one was really doing it except for a handful of people who mm-hmm. had that foresight. And I was like, and I had a business background. I was like, this is it. I need a subscription model. I need to get online. I need to put workouts on there. And so I started building it in 2019. And then when COVID hit, I had been planning to launch three weeks later. For like the six months leading up, I had been planning to launch three weeks into COVID. And so when COVID hit, I was so ready and I launched my online fitness business. And then I worked on that with my full-time job. I had already been doing it right for about a year teaching in person in Toronto. And then I did the online thing while working my full-time job for another year. And then I ultimately left. So I, I left my finance very stable, very secure job to be a full-time fitness professional and a content creator influencer. That part of my business was starting to pick up too. And it's interesting. People always ask me like, how did you start becoming an influencer? And it really started because I wanted people to come to my classes in person. And I was like, if no one, if I don't have a social media presence, no one's going to come to my classes. That is why my Instagram handle is Alessia Sculpt because I, my last name is Scazillo. So I wanted people to type Alessia SC and be able to find me without like my actual last name being out there because I was still working in finance. (laughs) So it was really just to drive people to my classes And then I started to really enjoy being a content creator and sharing my life online. I've kind of always done that. I've always been like a big sharer with Mm. my friends and with the people around me. Like when I love something, I like rave about it. And so I started sharing my life. And right around the time that I launched my online fitness business in COVID was when my influencing kind of started to pick up. And now I do that full time. Wild, wild journey. You mentioned in there that when you were in finance still, like something was kind of nagging at you. Like how long was that nagging happening for? Years. Because when I... Like what did it feel like? Did it like get more intense or... Yeah. So it was there honestly almost from the beginning when I started working at PwC. But I thought that it was like when I was at PwC... I thought it was maybe a certain project I was on at PwC. And then I'd switch the project and I'd be like, "Mm, it's still there. Okay, so maybe it's actually PwC. So then I left and I went to this other job and then it was there. And I thought, well, maybe it's just the toxic boss who was not great and definitely made it worse. But then I switched to another role within RBC because I was in like a corporate banking general role. And then I switched to a real estate position. And then it was still there. It's like it was this thing that was always there that I realized it wasn't the job. It wasn't the company. It was like it was all it was all of that. Like it was just this was not my purpose in life. It felt that was that's a really good question. What did that feel like? It felt hard to like do the things I needed to do. And I'm not sure I recognized that at the time. But now doing my work that I do now I feel so in flow it often doesn't feel like work I'm just like so aligned and like in it and it's like suddenly it's four o'clock and the day's almost over and I'm like oh my gosh like it just everything flows so well and when I look back at that time it felt so difficult like I had to really muster up the energy to do anything and you know I was able to do it and actually that skill has served me well now because I can still do when I don't have the energy I can still like force myself to do things which was my entire last year 2022 I was going through a lot of personal things which we can talk about and I didn't have energy at all but I feel like I have this deep sense of like 
will and like discipline from those finance days to force myself to just do whatever I need to do. But now it just flow, it flows and it, it didn't then. And I just, I felt like I was meant for more. I, I looked at the people above me in the bank and I, I, I was so sad for them. Like speaking so honestly, I was like, they don't take care of themselves like physically and they don't make time for their bodies, like no workouts. They don't eat well. They kind of just like eat whatever's around, like, you know, like Chinese food for lunch, like five days a week where like you kind of you hit that lull in the afternoon when you do that and they're sleepy and they're having three coffees a day to get through, et cetera. They don't see their families or their kids often. And I just kept like I kept looking at them being like, this isn't me. Like, I care about myself. I care about my body. I care about living like my absolute best life. And staying on this path does not feel like that. It feels like conventional and expected, but it doesn't feel like me. Yeah. You're selling the banks real well. <laughs> I know. Look, some people, I say this all the time, some people are meant for that life. Like some people are meant to be employees. They're meant to wake up, do what they're told, make a lot of money and go home and, you know, go see their family for an hour before bed, hit two vacations a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like that, that convent more conventional life. Some people want that. And I, I wish, this is the funny thing. I wish I wanted that because if I wanted that, I could be making so much money right now. I'd be happy. I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, it, it would, it would have been enough for me. But it was, mm. it's not enough for me. And sometimes I struggle with that because it's, it's hard. It's hard for the conventional to not be enough and to figure out what is enough and then be brave enough to go for it. Yeah, well said. I think, so for any of the listeners, uh, we went to the same program at McGill. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, that's good. Con other. Yeah, good context. Yeah. We know each um, other. We, we studied, you were in, you were in finance or accounting too, yeah. right? But we just knew each other from like, yeah, Medicaid. exactly. But I, I definitely just recall you as being like a, someone who like had their shit together. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> but I felt like I didn't at all. Uh, I did. And, uh, I did, which is, I did have my shit together and I think and I still do, but I think that's why that's what shocked so many people about my career change. Because I think from the outside, right. it looked like I was like so had it together. Right. I, I guess my question on that topic is is like, where do you think, where did that sort of direction come from? Like even back in a university when you were sort of on that track, got into accounting right away, did all your CPA stuff. Like, is that family pressure? Is that just some pressure that you put on yourself? um a mix of know, both finance or yeah driven a mix of both I think it started with my family my mom who passed away which is also a big part of my story she passed away while we were at McGill actually in between third and fourth year she was super strict had the highest of standards for me and was on me at all times I think she saw my potential and she wanted to make sure that I got there and didn't fall short of that and then that has since translated onto into me putting a lot of pressure on myself. Like I have always needed and wanted to be the best. Like I graduated. I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but I graduated number one in our class at McGill. Wow. And I didn't. Yeah. I wasn't at the graduation. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's fair. amazing. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. So I did. But the funny thing is I did that. And I, I got some scholarship money from it and I used it to backpack through Europe for three months. And wow. that's always been my personality. I never like I always worked hard and played harder, <laughs> but I did work super, super hard. So I think the pressure my mom put on me translated into me putting that pressure on myself. And I kept that going for years after school because I feel like you, you do school. You do high school and then you get into school, university, and then you do your postgrad or whatever, which for me was kind of like getting my CPA and working at PwC. And then you get one job and then another job and another job. And I feel like you put one foot in front of the other for so many years. And then it's only like a few years out of that, usually around like late 20s in people's Saturn return, if you're kind of like awake enough to get there is when you're like, wait a second, do I even want to be on this path? Like I'm able to do it, but do I want it? And that's, that's what happened to me. Have you heard of this Saturn return thing? 
I haven't actually heard that. No, I've heard similar concepts. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's like around 2730 when a lot people make a lot of big shifts and transitions in their mm -hmm. life. And I, I made all of mine in that time. Yeah. When when your when your mom passed away, was it were you like still just so focused on achieving or like what happened then, like between third and fourth year? So you were like more than halfway done school. Yeah. I had a summer internship with PwC that summer in Toronto. She died in June and I was on week three of the internship and I didn't go back for the entire rest of the summer. I basically was just like in the grief and they were very supportive of that. They were like, you don't have to come back. We'll still have you like we, you know, we like you. We want you back full time after school. So take this summer to grieve, to do your thing and then come back after. And so I, I really did take the summer to slow down and be with my family and grieve. But I think because I didn't work that summer, I felt insecure about that full-time position starting after school that I worked really hard in my last year. Like when a lot of people would typically like they've they already have their job secured, they're kind of like slowing down. They're right. like, it's the last year, whatever. I kind of like doubled down on that you year. feel like... Yeah. To like reciprocate their generosity from PwC. Yeah, exactly. Which in hindsight, I, I didn't have to do that. I was one of a hundred new people. Didn't matter. Like, who cares? Like, you know, they my mom died. Like, it's a big life event. And like, they would have yeah. kept, kept that position open for me regardless. But I felt indebted to them, honestly, because yeah. they, they didn't have to give me a whole summer off. And they did anyways. And I was re really grateful. So I felt indebted. And so, yeah, I really doubled down in that fourth year. And that then translated into those years at PwC and those years after I worked so, so, so hard. It took me took me many years after my mom died to kind of like decompress and be feel safe enough in my body and my life to like even process the grief of losing her. I feel like I only really processed it last year because then after I was in corporate, I was at RBC, I started my own business. And as you know, the first few years of starting your own business are so chaotic and it's like you're just building 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 and you're working so hard and you're you know you're just so in it and it was only last year when that kind of settled and I felt safe enough in my career in my life and everything that all that stuff the grief came up to the surface wow. with my mom and I worked through it last year which coincidentally was at the same time as my divorce wow that's yeah. heavy yeah and that that's like 10 years later after yeah your mom a lot now 11 so yeah last 10 years yeah and maybe just one one more question about that sort of grief um i've i've never experienced a loss such as that however i've, I've heard that people say that grief is different for everyone like what do you think about that have you, did you have anyone with a shared experience to console with in that sort of 10-year period or like you know, was it you just had to make time for it or did it just come up when it needed to come up? It came up when I when it needed to come up because I distracted for a really long time. The grief was very present for the first few years with my family, first like year or two. And then it kind of, everyone kind of like moved on. And at the surface, on the surface at least. And then I actually had like seven more people in my family die in between my mom and me. But we're just, I'm just, gonna, I'm not going to hold anything back and just sort of like put it out there. And so it kind of, and then it was, it, and people really like my cousin who I was really, really, really close with was one of those people, grandparents, like kind of all that. And, and then it kind of just became like, oh, another one. Oh, another one. Oh, another one. And so I feel like we kind of became numb a little bit. And then last year when I was going through my divorce separation and then ultimately divorce, that was like a new and different kind of grief because for the first time in my life, I was like choosing it instead of people dying and it happening to me. I was actually the one saying goodbye. And so the grief, I feel like hit me in a different way with my breakup. And then it opened up the floodgates to feel the grief from like losing my mom. 
Wow. Yeah. So, and, and at the time it was so hard, but now like looking back, I'm like, I'm a different person than I was like a year or two ago. Like my heart is so much more open. I have so much more empathy, so much more compassion. And I feel like I live so much more in the moment and, and, and present than I was. I feel like I used to always be rushing somewhere. And I, I still kind of am, but it, I definitely sense a shift in me where the priority is now to be happy. It's not like I don't, I've slowed down a little bit in work. I've slowed down in so many areas of my life because I'm like, where am I going? Like the time is now. Like I just want to be happy. I don't need to be always on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Yeah, that's amazing. You you, you did mention purpose earlier. And is, did that sort of come up with all of this grief? For sure. For sure. Um, and was that, you know, like a separate discovery even? Or was it to just make way for that too? I've really been thinking about purpose a lot lately because for the last few years, I've thought my purpose was to support women in feeling their best selves physically and mentally and inspire them through my workouts and through my wellness content. After going through a divorce, I think my purpose is much bigger than that. I think it's, and going through the career shift, I think, I think my purpose has evolved into, I'll be the first one to do something that a lot, most people are not brave enough to do. So I shifted, I sh shifted careers. I left my stable job and started my own business kind of earlier than most people, you know, and since then I've seen some people do it, but I was definitely one of the first out of like my network at least. And still one of the only, I, I got married, you know, fairly young. And then I went through a divorce. I'm the first of my friends to go through it. And the first of, you know, to talk about it really openly on social media that mm -hmm. I've seen. And then the fitness stuff that I just mentioned, I feel like, yeah, my purpose has evolved into I'll be brave enough to go first and I'll talk about it, whatever it is. And then I'll, and then I'll hopefully I'll inspire other people to do the same or follow their own path, like whatever it is. And I think that that, that takes a lot of bravery and that takes a lot of like confidence and I'll work like I feel like I'll work on that myself so that I can do that for other people and and be that like kind of leader role model or whatever it is and I don't mean to like I don't mean to like to my own horn saying I'm a leader I'm a role model I but I think it's it's very hard I find to be first in these things and then like talk about it on social media like my oh, it's badass That's it's hard amazing. announcing my divorce I, I'm sorry I'm 31 years old I'm been with my partner for 12 years and I adored him and then announcing our divorce like that was so fucking hard but then I got you know hundreds if not thousands of messages from people about how that like changed their you know it, it, it inspired them in some way I'm like okay well it's worth it then yeah that's great I was thinking you I, I was imagining you getting lots of yeah I did lots, lots of notes yeah yeah that's amazing. Do, do you uh, do you feel like <clears throat> I've had this sort of question with some other folks with like large followings before? You know, are are you feeling any sort of now that you're like a couple years into more of like the kind of influencer side of things? Are you feeling any sort of obligation to show up and like always be open and vulnerable and always be on? Yeah. Or have you how have you dealt with that? Yeah, for sure. I do feel this like sense of responsibility to my community to show up no matter what. Last year when it was like the hardest year, again, last year was the year I was going through my separation and divorce. I was really stressed and depressed for most of the year and I had to show up anyways. And otherwise, because this is how I make money and this is my full-time job. And if I'm not engaging with my community, then I can't support myself. And that became even scarier when I became single and didn't have my ex's, you know, full-time salary to like help compensate my lower months or whatever it was. But I also in that time had to establish like a boundary on what showing up means. And for me, it means not sharing what I'm going through in real time by giving myself the opportunity to go through it behind the scenes and still be showing up on social but not talking about that thing that's happening in that moment. And then once I've had enough time to process it myself, 
then yeah, I want to share it with my community because it's something so whatever it is, you know, career or personal or whatever, it's something meaningful for me that I think I I often can find a way to like help people learn from it from having gone through it myself. So there's usually like this time delay. So like, you know, I was going through the separation last year. I only announced it on social in February, end of February of this year because I needed that time. Like by the time I announce on social, I'm generally like, okay with what I'm talking about. And that's the only reason I can talk about it because otherwise I can get so emotional and it's just like, it's too much. I can't see things clearly. So that boundary has been very helpful for me. And while I'm going through it, and still showing up, I'm more creating content like out of like routine. Like it's that deep discipline that I have from my finance days where I'm like sharing, you know, like four wellness tips for your morning or four workout moves for this, that kind of more like run of the mill, like wellness, fitnessy content that I yeah. can, I don't need my deep creative energy to like do it. Yeah. And yeah. then. And then when I'm ready to talk about something, I come out and I talk about it and I share very openly about it. So when I shared about my separation, I did this video. And then that was, I mean, we can just talk about it because I feel like I brought it up because it's been the biggest, most meaningful thing that's happened in my life in the last while. But I knew that I wanted to share something because I live my life online and to, I was married and to then like to not share that I'm no longer married felt weird. So if mm -hmm. I had to share something, I was like, I feel like this is an opportunity to be inspiring in some way because our separation was so amicable and I am thriving so much more. And it wasn't out of a desperate state. It was out of both of us choosing to let, like a different life path. And so I feel like if I'm going to say something, I better make it inspiring or else like, what's the point? So then I shared this video about us that was basically that it was like we we're choosing ourselves we're both going in our own directions and like that's okay and then I, I shared a bunch of content on how I got to that place like my healing tips which I'm sure you asked me about like therapy and mushrooms and all mm -hmm. this stuff and so once I I am in a place to go there I'll like really go there I have to be ready and it takes me some time yeah I was <laughs> It pays to have a finance background and then you become a content creator, right? You just have all the strategy in, in place. Yeah. <laughs> Not other content creators don't have the luxury of being so disciplined. It's true. I think so much of what I learned in finance, I use every single day. Like what, I, and the biggest thing being, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. Because every day in finance, I had no clue what I was doing and I would figure it out. And, and now I still, that's the, running your own business, I feel like is every day not knowing what what you're doing but you're just like okay i'll figure it out and then yeah a this... lot of it sounds sorry yeah a lot, a lot of it sounds almost like you're almost similar like pattern recognition like you're recognizing the opportunities as they happen to you and as you see your community respond to them yeah it sounds like and you're just choosing whatever sort of path aligns with you which is really inspirational it's like yeah you can be whatever type of content creator you want but you're gonna do it this way yes totally and when I'm deciding it, I tune into myself a lot. I've gotten like much more in touch with my intuition. And if something doesn't feel right, I don't talk about it. And if something feels right, I talk about it a ton. And I try not to like for like, yeah, I try and tune in and try not to force the, you know, to talk about something too early or, or anything like that. Like I really am like, okay, like I tune into my heart, like, okay, am I going to do this? All right, now I'm ready. This is how I'm going to talk about it. This is all the content I'm going to do around it. And I'm going to stay close to my community in that and get that feedback so that I can like adjust. Wow. It's, and it's and that feedback loop is something I learned in finance for sure. Like, you know, always asking your boss for feedback on so you can course correct and such. Like I, yeah. I do that all the time with my community. Now I read all the DMs. I read all the comments and I can't always respond. But because there's a lot of them, it gets overwhelming. But I definitely am like in that feedback loop so that I can create the content that I want to and that people want. Yeah. I imagine you didn't get the tuning in part from finance. <laughs> no. Where did, where did that come from and how did you learn that skill? I think it's been the journey in the last few years. It started with the, well, it started with the career shift where I felt that nagging for so long. But it was only when things got so bad that I made the shift. 
now I'm trying to like tune in before things get so off that I catch mm-hmm. it earlier and then I can like I can really course correct sooner. Like I'm trying try, I'm trying to not let things get terrible before I make a move, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not I mean, I'm a yeah, I have someone close to me who I feel like is struggling in their career and is noticing things they've never noticed before with their physical health and things like that as well. Yeah. Totally. It's been interesting and to try to support them from afar. But well, I think when, you know, I think it hit, it hit a point recently where they had to make a move. Like yeah. they had to, they had no other choice. And like, was that similar to what happened to you? Well, I think the universe like sends you nudges. And if you don't listen, which I haven't, sometimes I take a long time to listen. And I think a lot of people don't listen. Then it sends you like stronger and stronger and stronger signals. And then it's like you almost have no choice but to listen. And for me, that this year, a really obvious example has been I've gotten into two car accidents this year and I've gotten concussions. And they they both came at a time where I was going like a mile a minute. Like I was like running around in two different for two different reasons in january i I was in an uber and i got hit hit by a car not by neither of them were my fault like i got hit both times oh no yeah and 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 anyways i feel like i the universe was nudging 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 and then it was like i needed this like big thing to happen to like really listen (laughs) and so i'm i'm trying to like i'm trying to catch myself before i get to to those extremes and there's like big things that happen but it's hard it's hard because you kind of just get used to going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think it's it sounds different for every person to tune in. I think it's definitely a skill that I'm still working on. Um, difficult to slow down and being able to do that in like mid-step, slow down and then like put your business hat on. Like that sounds like an incredible skill to hone in. And the combination of like showing up vulner- you know, with vulnerability on social media, which... You know, I think is kind of a known thing where like, well, I was sort of told again by, you know, Jillian Harris, who I interviewed before, like the more you're vulnerable, the more people are like into it, you know, and it's like this kind of recurring cycle. Like, do you do you find that? Yeah, that's such a good point. It's 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 interesting because, yes, the more vulnerable you are, the more people relate and the more into it they are. but you can't be too vulnerable and all too much too often because then it loses its meaning like significance or how meaningful it is and then you can't so then I kind of err on the side of like you know pulling back after I've been really vulnerable but then that's what people want and it's this weird like how much to share how much to keep and how often to do it definitely when I'm vulnerable that's the most engagement I get anytime I share anything about my divorce about my body and like body struggles that content does the best but I don't like I don't I don't want to talk about that all it's very exhausting to talk about that all the time so it's 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 a balance you know like I know people want to hear it and I know it does well but fuck like I don't like well it's it's heavy stuff you know? Yeah, I mean, you see folks that are like they built their brand around that type of conversation. Ooh, That's all they yeah. do, right? I can't even imagine what that would be like. Agreed. Like talk so, about your body every single day, every single post. Someone like the Bird's Papaya is her entire platforms around that, and and then and then people pick you apart so much, like it's exhausting. You have to really be like willing to put yourself out there and with it comes so much criticism, and that's something we haven't yeah. talked about yet. But like, let's talk about that. When I posted my video reel announcing my divorce, the first two weeks, it had a few hundred thousand views and everyone was really supportive. After that, it went viral and it has a million and a half views and I got ripped apart, ripped apart. Like, you deserve to die. You're going to be single forever. No one's ever going to love you again. You're going to be alone. It's going to be like you and your cat, like your cats that I don't have. But it was fully like I someone I think someone said, I have a gun so I can shoot people like you. Like it was just like so bad. And it really affected me at first. And then I it got 
there was just such a volume that I kind of just had to stop looking and like let it go and like let the video just be and you know I'll let them engage with themselves and keep the video going and honestly whatever how did you pull out of that I stopped Tell me about that. I like, literally the, the initial like, yeah obviously there was a shock but like what happened after that I was yeah I was really devastated because it it wasn't true. And I was like, the, the, these people, these are people that don't follow me because now the video has gone viral. It's hitting all these other people. They don't know me. And I was so devastated that that's what they were getting from it. And then I had to think about advice someone gave me last year. Actually, one of the the people that run this mushroom retreat I go to, anyways, the husband, it's a husband and wife. He had said to me in a different context, well, is it true what they're saying? And this wasn't related to the video, but I thought about it in the context of the video. And I just was like, I knew it, it. the things people were saying weren't true. Okay. And like, it was as simple as that. It was like, well, are they true? And I was like, well, no. And it's like, okay, then why does it matter? And and at that point was when I stopped looking. I was like, okay, well, if they're not true, then I have to stop looking at them because they're bothering me. So I changed the filter on my like notifications where comments didn't show up anymore. And I just stopped looking and I just let the video go. And I was like, well, I just have to continue living my life. And the people that matter to me and my community and my followers and my friends and my family, they know the truth. And also the other person who this video is about, which was my ex, he knows the truth. And that's all that matters. And so fuck everyone else. I just had to like put my foot down like that. Good for you. Yeah. Have tough. you had to do that again with any other posts? Like even if it's a smaller volume of yeah. haters? Yeah. Definitely the posts after that, there was a few about like how I've been getting through my heartbreak and those kind of things. It, it was all related to that. And then sometimes when I post like body posts, I get some comments, usually a couple different kinds of comments. One is from men being like, you're fat or something like this. And usually those are like so ridiculous that I'm like, okay, whatever. And then sometimes from women being like, well, you're skinny, so you can't talk about your body. Because so I feel like people think that because I lost a lot of weight last year when I was going through the divorce and I've gained a bunch of it back. And I think people think that if you're not like like a very large person, you can't talk about your body. But in my opinion, if your body has fluctuated a lot, then, you know, I'm I'm OK to talk about that. But I think sometimes people tell me I can't. And then it's like, well, this is my social media platform. I'm talking relative you know, I'm still in a smaller body, but I've definitely gained weight since I haven't been as stressed. And by the way, my message is that's a good thing because I lost weight from stress and now I'm like normal, like eating normally, working out normally and like have gained it back. So like that's actually a positive thing and a message that I try and share with people. So I think I just like I just know like there's always going to be someone that has something to say negative about my content. It's like, OK, block, delete at first block, delete is my first instinct. And then it's like, you know what, just let them say whatever and like let it let it make the video do better and move on to the next video the next day. Like every day is a new piece of content, like move on. Wow, that must be really hard. I'm sure a lot of people can't do that. I think so. So, yeah, the last thing I'll say about that is actually this job has been really helpful in my life to learn not to take things personally. Because I, I know I've learned online, I cannot take things personally. And it has been one of the greatest lessons of my life to not take things personally in my real life too, not just online. And not, very little few things bother me now. I'm like, everything that happens, I'm like, I know this is a you thing, not a me thing. And I just kind of like let it go, let it slide off of me. And that lesson came from social. I like that approach. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it seems like the biggest haters, you know, assuming they're real people. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> these were accounts. I mean, um, yeah, it was probably a mix of real and fake, but the the, the messages were so specific that right. I think must have yeah. been real. It's like, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. If you're, you know, really judgmental towards other people, it's just such a quick indication of how you treat yourself, you know, it's... yeah. It's sad, really, at yeah. the end of the day. It is. Well, good for you to step away from that. You mentioned the mushroom retreat. Is there anything, <laughs> is there any, was there any cool experiences that happened there? Yeah, I have been doing a lot of like, not a lot, but a good amount of like heavy doses of mushrooms in my healing journey the last year and a half. Side by side 
with therapy. So I've been going to therapy like once or twice a week for yeah, a year and a half. Now it's more like once every three, four weeks. But therapy is what got me through like the really hard times. And then coupled with the mushroom retreat, it's this one where we do much in like a ceremonial setting. And I've had some really meaningful experiences. I think the biggest one that came from therapy and mushrooms was Whichever way I go in my life, no matter what I do, I'm going to be okay no matter what. And I think for a long time, I struggled with that, like going into fitness from finance. I was like, I'm not going to have the salary. I'm not going to. But it's like then all these opportunities opened up in this content creator fitness life. And then with my divorce, it was like I thought I wasn't going to be okay if I wasn't with my ex. But like now my life has opened up in a million ways that I couldn't have expected and I'm fine. So that was a really big lesson that I saw clearly in my mushroom journeys. And then the the biggest one, though, was like moving through the pain of losing my mom. That all really came up in the mushroom journeys and like specifically understanding firsthand and like seeing my mom in that in those mushroom journeys that she did the best that she could. She put a lot of pressure on me and she was very hard on me, but she did the best that she could. And like forgiving myself for what I didn't do right in that relationship and forgiving her for what she didn't do right in that relationship. And unfortunately, she passed away. Like we we really butt heads when we were teenagers or when I was a teenager. And unfortunately, she passed away kind of like before the shift of like us, me becoming an adult and us having the opportunity to become close. You know, like I was 20 years old when she died. So we never really had that opportunity. We just like really butt heads when I was 16, 17, 18. And like forgiving each other for that. And and not just like talking about it in therapy. Like I think in therapy, which I needed to talk about it for sure. And I've talked through so many things in therapy. But I think there is a difference. And they help each other to talk through something in therapy where rationally you talk through it. You hear the therapist say it. You say it. Okay. But then to like be in the mushroom ceremony and be on mushrooms and actually be sitting side by side with my mom in the experience in this like other like galaxy that I went to and talking to her and going through that forgiveness like both ways like that really like accelerated my healing journey where maybe if I hadn't have done that it would have taken another year or two years of therapy to like fully get there and I was like healed from it in like a few mushroom ceremonies yeah no, it's super beautiful how you talk about that and uh, the closure and even just like hearing you, your tone, even just talking about it, you sound very, you know, t- together, which is amazing. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a advocate for, you know, different types of healing and doing a lot of exploration myself and even first session might have some psychedelic assistant stuff at some point soon. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I haven't been back since de- December of last year because I feel like I did so much you know, and sometimes it's like enough with the work. Like last year I did so much like work in quotes, like, you know, going through the breakup and this therapy and the mushrooms and the reading and the meditating and the journaling. And like, oh, I was just like, come January, I was like exhausted and I needed a break. And now I'm kind of like, okay, I could dip my toes into some more work and maybe doing it from a place of like not needing it like I did last year, but like wanting to like push forward more that's where I'm going now is like maybe I can make this fun Mm -hmm. maybe I don't have Mm -hmm. to be like so sad (laughs) you know yeah yeah I love that I absolutely love that I think a lot of folks that's where like the real magic almost can happen right and that like speaking of purpose and alignment and that sort of thing and I'm you know personally I'm actually kind of seeking that out a little bit more now but with a lot more patience and intention around like you know where you go and who you connect with and what's your intention mm-hmm. of the work. And I think that's like really powerful and to be able mm-hmm. to like have the stillness to be able to approach it like that. Um, and a, bu- a bunch of therapists that I've talked to have really talked about the benefits of like the one, one person gave it like a zero, like a negative 10 to plus 10 scale and said like most folks come into therapy, like mm-hmm. some negative number and they sort of just want to get back to zero. And, you know, but there's a huge right. opportunity from like the zero to plus 10 side, right. um, which I think a lot of folks don't think about naturally. But, and again, it doesn't yeah. have to be therapy. It can be different types of work or that's amazing. Yeah. No, th- th- thanks for, for sharing all that. I mean, I guess one 
one question around, you know, to use a finance term, how did you sort of like think about that long relationship at, you know, kind of this, you know, critical age if, if anyone, you know, not, not even, I shouldn't even say that, like that's just an, an age that is getting closer to what a lot of people may think of being like family time, you know, like family starting time. Um, if that's something that you were even interested in, like, was that a factor that you had to like weigh yeah. and like, yeah, the word I was going to use is like yeah. sunk cost, you know, like I think a lot of people stay in a relationship because of the already, you know, invested effort that's been in there. Yeah, I definitely had a lot of fears about that, about having spent so much time with this person and then approaching an age where if I want to have kids, like I kind of have to do it in the next like few years. I had a lot of stress and I felt a lot of pressure around that. And my therapist was the one who helped me realize, like, you putting this pressure on yourself about that, how is that helping you? Like, in fact, it was making me so paralyzed about the decision that it it was actually making it worse. Not only was it not helping, it was actually making it worse because the pressure was making it harder to decide. <laughs> so I had to take all that out and tell myself that, like, if I want a family, I'm going to make that happen however I can. And, you know, it's going to, whatever my path is going to be is how it's going to be. And if that means I'm, you know, if I, if I end this relationship and I meet someone at 35 and I'm able to have a family, I'm 32 for context, I'm able to have a family naturally, then great. If that means I'm 38 and I am single and I need to, and I really want a family, then I will make that happen for myself in a different non-traditional way but it, it's like it's like this thing of like people think about life like you know I don't want to give up what I have now because I'm a, I, I want to have kids and I'm, I'm looking people look so forward into that perfect life or that perfect trajectory but your whole life is a series of nows and if you're not happy right now what are you waiting for to be happy later? Even if you had a family, then you're not going to be happy then. Like it's, it's, it's like taking all that like future and past out and being like, what is going to make me happy right now? Because every moment you're alive is the now that you're living in that you have to be happy in. So shifting my think those, it, it's really hard. I don't even know if I'm explaining that right, but like, or like well enough. Yeah. It's like taking the past and the future out of it and and not waiting to be happy for any re like, you know, even with my ex, it was like, well, he's such an amazing person. He's in 10 years. What if I regret not being with him in 10 years? It's like, but what about all the minutes leading up to the 10 years from now? I have to be happy. Like, what am I waiting for? So taking the pressure off and focusing on the, the present moment and doing what I feel in my gut to be right in that moment and, and how I've and how you tune into that is like you said it before the stillness element like getting still enough and taking enough space to even realize what makes you happy in this present moment heart no. not too many people but are slowing, slowing down too yeah i mean same days. i it's so ridiculous <laughs> i'm sitting myself. here right now to, about to tell you that what got me to the place of knowing i needed to be alone is my daily meditation on top of my therapy at mushrooms and yet for the last several months I've resisted my meditation. I like do it sometimes. I don't. It's like I literally know that it's the most important mm -hmm. thing to get still for 10 minutes a day even. And yet I'm still resisting it. Like I even have to tell myself. But what kept coming up last year was like you need to be alone. You need to be It, had, it didn't even have anything to do with my ex. He was a wonderful, wonderful person. Wish him all the best. You might have known him. He went to McGill. I don't know if you know that. But great person, you know, still in touch. Mm. Wish him so well. It wasn't even about him. It was like, I need to be alone. I need to be alone. And it always would come up in my meditations. And I wouldn't, if I didn't get still, I wouldn't have known that. Wow. And who knows where I would be right now. Thank you for sharing that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it just, what keeps coming back for me is like the kind of discipline that you approach your like own kind of transformation and healing with is like really, really Thank inspiring. You. I and appreciate I see that. why so many people are inspired by it. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like the rigor that you put into your career is like now into yourself. Well, it's like, wow. Now that you say that, I'm like, I'm like, thank you. And I'm like, hmm, maybe, you know, that's, that's such a great point. But it's also like, isn't that the best place to put it in? 
it's I actually feel inspired to like double down on it even. So I'm like, okay, I, like I, I, so. I would rather put that time and energy and rigor and discipline into myself versus anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think about that a lot. I mean, I started a business trying to connect people with therapists. So finding a therapist is very hard. I get asked all the time. And actually, I should give your business as a recommendation because one of the recommendations I have is my friend and podcast host, like one of my good friends and podcast host, Lindsay from We Met at Acme. She has this like online therapy tool where by it's sorted by location and it's therapist vetted by other people. And I, I always say that, but then, you know, you still have to, it's, it's vetted by people who've submitted it, but you don't, you're not matched with someone. You still need to like find your person. And so, yeah, it, it would be great to give your business also as a recommended yeah. tool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, only if it's good enough, if only if it fits your bar, but I don't even like the word match in the verb sense sometimes because I, I believe that people need to choose who they want to work with. So it's like, if you're given one choice, that's not a choice. Like if you're just like, Oh, this is the right person for you. Cause you know, a lot of these algorithms don't work right? based on what you actually need. They're like, who's available? Like, right. you know, who need who do we need to fill for our business to work, right? But I think that the choice is like actually has been proven that the relationship between you and your therapist mm -hmm. is the most important thing above all anything else. So it's like that quality of the fit. And I think that's why it's so exhausting because like people are seeking that fit and they try yes. and but it takes a ton of investment it's to very... assess, right? And you don't necessarily know that for a while. So that's why I literally interview therapists on camera. And it's like a more of like a dating website. Yeah. A... Well, I was literally about to say, and I was t telling this to someone last night on the phone. I feel like finding a quality therapist is like dating. Like a lot of the times you meet someone and you, they're pretty good. They're good on paper. They, what they do is like, they kind of fits and you think you like them. But then, but then when you meet someone you really like, you know, and I feel like that's like a therapist, like the person I was talking to last night someone important to me in my life they were like yeah like my therapist is pretty good you know he meets the qualifications he's you know I feel I feel good I don't feel great but it's like if if he were to have a therapist that he really fit with I feel like he would feel that and I feel that way about my therapist where I feel like okay she's that person for me it's kind of like dating you think I don't know I don't know if like that makes sense but you kind of are like, yeah, I like this person. They they seem pretty good. But then when you meet someone you really like, you're like, oh, no, no, no. I really like this person. <laughs> well said. No, I, I actually think that, you know, the service that we provide, it's actually yeah. more often than not helping people decide who's not a fit than who is a fit. I, there's definitely still some personal connection needed to actually right. assess that. But like what people can really do is be like, no, 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 no. Sound like my toddler saying that, but. Um, yeah, yeah. And it can be like, I mean, just the, if you face too many no's, then you're going to give up, unfortunately. So, and that's a huge time investment, often a money investment. And that's, yeah, that's, that's why we've designed it like we have. So I have a question actually, when you, I mean, now in particular, like, so you run your own business. I imagine you don't have like RBC or PWC level benefits for yourself. <laughs> You know, yeah. I guess, you know, for or in terms of insurance and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. What do you like? So obviously you're, you've invested a lot financially, even when you started a new business and like, you know, didn't have the same kind of cash flow coming in into your personal growth. Like, how do you think about that? Um, when people will stop, you know, going to therapy or stop, you know, whatever, going to physiotherapy or. Yeah. And I, I really don't have benefits now because I'm not on my ex's like. When I left my full-time job, I still was able to join my ex's plans. And so his benefits and his salary kind of like helped, you know, in those like early days. Now I'm really on my own. I don't have any of that. I don't have any benefits at all. And so I try and invest in the things that I know are like really moving the needle for me. And so that is number one, without a doubt, therapy. And then I try and save in other areas like the meditation I use you know I use an app where like the per the cost per use is like very low because I have like an annual membership I got it on a deal etc cetera, etc cetera. but I really 
you know, I, yeah, I really try and prioritize the things that I know make me feel my best over anything else. And I will say, like, as an influencer, like, the cost of living is is pretty low as an influencer because you people think you get free things and like you kind of do, but you don't because most people get paid in dollars. Like most people get paid in their jobs in a salary. <laughs> I get paid a lot of the times not in money, but in gifting and exchange. And so I would prefer to get paid in cash, <laughs> but a lot of the times I get paid in exchange, especially with small businesses. And so some stuff will be like, so my cost of living is is pretty low. So I'm fortunate enough that I can invest in things like therapy, even though I don't have benefits. But like most people who have a salary have benefits that go unused. And that's just like, well, I encourage everyone to like really make the most of it. Even if you don't think, I think a lot of people think that they don't need therapy. Like you said, like they're at a zero and everything's like going pretty fine. They're not sure what they would th- talk about in in a therapy session. Like I, every time I go to therapy, I'm like, what am I going to talk about today? There is always something to talk about to like make my life better. And so even if you think you don't have anything to talk about, like try it and like just make the most of the benefits that you have, or at least the ones that you know are going to move the needle. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I think if you, you know, I often don't have anything to talk about as well, but I think if you have the right fit in a therapist, like they're going to help you bring up what's the most important thing to talk about. Uh, and most people don't start, a lot of people don't start therapy. Just go in there and they'll ask, if it's a good therapist, they'll ask questions. And suddenly it's been 60 minutes and I'm like having shut up and I'm like, oh, I guess I did have something to talk about. But the on the influencer thing, it's like, it's so interesting. I think yeah. being an influencer is so glamorized and in so many ways, like it is, it is, it is like, you know, you get, you get invited to events and you get like gifts and all these things, but there's really no other job in the world where 99% of the work you do is unpaid. Like every day you put out influencers, put out content and 99% of the time, or maybe it's like ranges between 90% and 99% of the time, you literally don't get paid for your job. And then sometimes when you get paid, it's like in a gift in like products and you're like, I can't pay my bills with products. I need money. And so it's, 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 it's much harder to make money as an influencer than, than I think people think. And it's like this weird, there's a, there it's. It's the job that there's the biggest difference, in my opinion, that I've experienced. There's the biggest difference between what it looks like and what it is, I think. And actually, the easier it looks, the harder it is on the back end. Like if something looks like it's so easy and an influencer is making it look so easy and streamlined and natural, I actually think it's harder to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, I was I wanted to kind of guide the conversation here before we wrap up, but... You know, I know that there's so many people sort of toying with like being a, you know, influencer, like, you know, whether that's even just like putting themselves out there kind of thing with like photos or, you know, being glued to your phone. Um, You know, do you do you get like other kind of aspirational influencers like messaging you and asking you for like advice or anything like that? Or like, what would you say to people who are? you know it's harder than it I looks guess you just kind of yeah. said it like it's harder you know and you before you mentioned about like the negative comments and I was very impressed with how you managed to shut that out for I mean, sure I'm sure sometimes it creeps back into your mental space but yeah I don't know it's, like I couldn't do that I know and I've had a lot I've had people say to me a lot like I couldn't do what you do like it would give me so much anxiety to like constantly be putting my life out there and constantly be worried about what people are going to say but I also you know, I think about how much I'm, I am impacting people. And I know that because people send me really personal messages all the time about like how my content has like, you know, inspired them in whatever way or at my events. I have a lot of like in-person events and people come and I always give people a hug when they arrive and like, you know, say welcome, like so nice to meet you. And they're like, you know, while I have you, I just wanted to let you know, like your content, like, you know, even I don't always comment on it, but I see it, especially, you know, the body videos or the breakup videos. And I really has changed my life like and I just really thank you for being so open and so like that kind of feedback makes it worth the difficulty of putting yourself out there every single day and then I also tell people like is this I'm putting my personal life definitely on display but it's also a job and so the content like I think about it as like being consistent so like not putting any too much emphasis on any one piece of content, 
It's like, okay, if this content did amazing, great. The next day I put out a new video and maybe it's related to that video sort of, or maybe it's different. Or this content, this piece of content absolutely flopped. Okay, well, the next day I'm putting out a new video anyways. So like not focusing on the performance of any one thing in particular, like noting it and taking it as feedback and like adjusting and course correcting, but not putting so much emphasis and like personal value on the performance of any piece of content. And instead just being like, okay, well, this is a job five days a week. I put out a video. Tomorrow's another video. And that's how I treat it. Like I, I used to try and post when engagement was higher, like at night around dinner time, say like people are more like on their phones after dinner. And I used to try and like finagle that. And at a certain point I was like, no, this is my full-time job. Therefore I would, therefore I will treat it like that. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I post every day or in the morning or at lunch weekends. I don't post unless something creative comes to me and I really want to get it out. Fine. But that boundary has helped me like separate myself, Alessia, from like Alessia sculpt. And and I do tell some of the people that are closest to me, quite honestly, like in dating, I tell people like, don't look at my Instagram because you're getting like my work, the work version of me. Like it's me, but it's the work version of me. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I have this weird job where everyone's watching when I do a presentation mm -hmm. in quotes, like, you know, post a video or do a live or do a workout, whatever. It's like what other person, like when my friends who work in private equity do a presentation at their job, their entire network isn't watching. But for me, they are. And it's like, so it could be so weird. So like in dating, I tell people like, don't look and and some people will say like, yeah, you're, some people will understand and be like, yeah, I don't want, that's your work. And some people are like, what? That's, you know, they, they don't really understand the influencer world or even my family. Like my, I say to my family sometimes like, this is not the me that you know, like this is work me. So like separating that a little bit. That's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't think many people think about that. No. Browsing, like, you know, on Instagram or for, whatever else. Like, it's, yeah. For, for like, you know, when I first, people. one more thing I'll say is like when I first kind of became an influencer the first while, well. when I would see my friends, they wouldn't ask me how I was doing ever. Like, they'd never be like, like for a good year or two, it was never like, how are you doing? What have you been up to? And I was always like, do they not care? Like, I was really confused by it. And then I realized they think they know because they're following along. But it's like that's five minutes total of my entire day on story or reels. Like, and also I usually am posting like a day late or like, you know, I'm, I'm not always like I'm trying to be present in the moment. So it's like t explaining to my friends and family and people I'm dating, et cetera, that like it's not my exact real life. It's like a part of me. Thing. Yeah. That's amazing. I feel like you can start an agency. Someone or at least a consulting like offering because I have this skill set that's like a combination of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the creative and, and influencer world, but also like the business background that like very few people have. And I've been toying with it a little bit. Actually, some small businesses in Toronto have reached out to me about it. Businesses that like I've worked with lightly, like for example, one like resort kind of place that offered me to come and shoot content there. And then I was just chatting with the owners, like say, you know, and of, of course, because I'm an influencer, like I can just see things that like maybe they could do in their content or how they're approaching things. And, I, and we're just chatting and I'm giving them tips. And like, then they, the next day they come over by like when I was still at the resort and they're like, actually, we want to hire you because we realize that you have the value. But it's, I need to decide like what direction I want to take my business in. And is that worth my time? Or is it more worth my time to like, really zero in and like double down on like Alessia Sculpt as a brand. So I'm still kind of like working through that. But I definitely think that there are some unique things that I've learned and like I have a unique perspective coming, blending those two worlds together. 100%. No, I, it's this I think would be a really valuable conversation for anyone considering the influencer life to listen to. I just see your frameworks of how you even handle the, some of the stuff and you know, if you're going to post something vulnerable, waiting before you post it until you processed it until Thank you've you gotten over it. Like, that's amazing. That's a good tip. Cool. Yeah. Is there any other parting words? I definitely want to shout out where people can find you. Um, but just, before we do that, any other words of wisdom for the aspiring influencers yeah. or just people who are really hating their jobs and 
might have some of that nagging happening. I mean, I've been there and it's really tough. And what I would say is like, don't ignore those feelings. And and it doesn't have to be like quit your job today, but like start slowing down and tuning in and like listening to what those nudges are. And one step at a time, you'll get to where you're supposed to go. But the first step is to just like get still enough to even like feel that those things are happening and to trust yourself enough to figure it out one step at a time. You don't have to have it all figured out, but you will. Like you'll look back, like I look back now over the last like four years of my life, like I started this whole fitness journey in twenty end of 2018 and launched my business in 2019. And like, I feel like every day I don't really know what I'm doing. Like every day is like, have I done anything? Have I made progress? But then when you look back, you're like, oh yeah, like, whoa, okay. Like I made so much progress. I turned something, I turned my whole career of something out of nothing. But it doesn't feel like that in the moment. So like trust yourself enough to just like take it one day at a time and like you'll get there. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. To that. I have the same feeling all the time. <laughs> well, okay. Well, thank you. Yeah. Where can people fall? follow along. yeah so i'm at alessia sculpt on instagram and on tiktok and then my online fitness platform is asculptbody.com and it's a online like pilates inspired low impact workout fitness platform i have over 300 videos some of them are body weight some of them are lightweights heavyweights bands like cardio like all different workouts and they range from like 10 to 50 minutes and so I have a seven-day free trial for that. So you can just go to my site, so asculptbody.com and sign up for that. And I, you know, I have like a weekly and monthly calendar that you can follow. So you can just open it up and click play and know exactly what workout you're doing. So I would love to have some of you guys try my workouts. Thank you so much for having me. Love it. Okay. Great time to wrap it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Actualize podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode, as well as all other episodes at firstsession.com slash podcast. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time.